What's up? This is Makad Brooks. I'm playing James the Bridge Olsen. That's right. And you are listening to Supergirl Radio. Supergirl Radio. Super, 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 Supergirl Radio. Roulette is coming to National City. Greg Berlanti talks crossovers. And we shine a spotlight on Metallo. This is Supergirl Radio. Supergirl Radio, your source for all things related to the CW Supergirl TV series and the character of Kara Zor-El. My name is Rebecca Johnson. I'm Carly Lane. And for this episode, we are joined by Bill Meeks of Legends of Gotham to shine a character spotlight on Metallo. Welcome back to Supergirl Radio, Bill. Uh, thank you, Rebecca. I, I Actually, that should be shine a bat signal because I'm from the Batman show or uh, kind of bat, proto-Batman show. That's <laughs> so. true. That's true. We should we should get a uh, a character bat signal light. I don't know. We, we'll, we'll have to figure out a way to work that in. But that's that's I, true. I think we need I think we need a bat signal with Bruce Wayne's head on it. For now, <laughs> that that'll work. That'll work, and we'll we'll, we'll figure it out. We'll we'll get that made. Um, but before we go into the construction of that bat signal, let's get to the news. According to comicbook.com, actress Deechan Lockman has been cast as Roulette. The official character description from the CW says that, quote, Roulette runs an underground alien fight club in National City, and she is eager to get Supergirl in the ring, unquote. Uh, Carly, what do you make of this Roulette news? Well, I don't know the character at all. At all. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I love Deacon Lockman. I have been familiar with her. I know she was on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., which I didn't see her in, but I saw her on um, Dollhouse which I really liked. And she's, she's a very, uh, she's like a very chameleon, I guess, uh, a chameleon of an actress. She's very good at inhabiting different characters. So I'm excited for it. Um, I think they partly announced the news today because once again, there were set photos from Vancouver that I'm were leaked so, online. I'm so shocked. That never yeah. happens. And <laughs> Andy, Andy, our friend Andy over at the flash podcast, uh, Sent me, he sent me a link. He's like, you don't mind set photos, do you? I'm like, yeah, I'll look at them. Why not? <laughs> and then about an hour after he sent me the photos of uh, Deej and Lockman on the Supergirl set, they officially announced that she was coming as, as roulette to the show. I think they were like, oh, damage control. Yeah, well, they, yeah. They knew you knew, so they figured everyone should know. Right. Well, Rebecca didn't know. It was it was only one of us. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know until I got the... Andy was good about because he knows yeah. he knows my stance on set pictures. And he, he, sent, went, he sent me the official release. He um, went to me and he was like, are you okay with them? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think they they had to do something because Roulette has a very famous dragon tattoo. 
and uh, the set pictures you could kind of you could kind of tell it in the set pictures that she had that. So I think people who knew the character would probably pick up on that in the set uh, set pictures. So maybe they felt like they needed to officially announce right. it. Or they didn't want people to think that it was a girl with a dragon tattoo crossover. True. <laughs> that would be a crazy episode. Yes, definitely. Add, add that to the crossover list for this season. Uh, that would be insane. Um, Bill, do you know anything about the character of Roulette? I, I do not. It's one of those characters that I know I've seen in stuff because you have some other stuff the characters appeared in here. And I know I've seen those things, but it, she never really stuck out to me. So so it'll be interesting to see how Supergirl kind of approaches her. Yeah, she was in a couple of episodes of Justice League Unlimited in the Cat and the Canary, which is one of my favorite episodes of JLU and an episode called Grudge Match. And Roulette is kind of the ringleader of like an underground superhero, superpowered cage fighting thing where she makes money off of these people fighting. And so she is, she's, she's very greedy and she doesn't care about these superheroes fighting each other. And so she's all about making money. And uh, I really like those episodes of JLU. They're a lot of fun. You get to see some of those heroes get kind of pitted up against each other. And there's a lot of fun, like Birds of Prey action. There's some (laughs) Huntress and Black Canary team up. Like, that's kind of fun for me. Um, And I I know she was in Smallville. She was in an episode actually named after her called Roulette in season nine. But I have actually not seen that episode. But I think in the episode, she is uh there's a casino that she's involved in so it's the same kind of thing there's a lot of betting underground casino kind of thing going on so i expect to see something like that on supergirl and i was very intrigued by the fact that in this version on supergirl it's an underground alien like a focus on the alien word fight club <laughs> um so i am i'm starting to wonder because like the first thing that i thought of when i heard this news was okay supergirl is gonna get in the ring well who's she gonna fight so <laughs> if she's fighting another alien that really piques my interest because we know that there's another a, a new alien coming onto the show in the form of miss martian so i mm. was like hmm if I was the showrunner of this show, I would maybe have Supergirl and Miss Martian fight each other. But that's just me. Uh, so I don't know if we'll ever get to see that episode in my brain. But um, so I'm just curious now as to who Supergirl is actually going to be fighting. So many aliens. Uh, but but I, I like the Miss Martian idea. Um, I, I wonder if they're going to go because Miss Martian in the comics, you, you know, she she's a bit more human than say martian manhunter and uh, how they've approached martian manhunter uh when he's in his manhunter form he's very alien in supergirl so i'm wondering if they're going to go that direction with her do a kind of a cgi thing or they're just gonna you know buy a gallon of green body paint and you know <laughs> interrupt every week yeah for martian manhunter uh for david Hare was kind of a mix of you know physical real world stuff costume and then like cgi stuff on top of that so i don't know what Mm -hmm. they're gonna do with her but i mean there are also also a lot of aliens on supergirl we had the fort Roz aliens some of them probably still exist at the deo i don't know Mm -hmm. where roulette is going to get some of these aliens but that's just something to uh be interested in to to see what happens um when season two rolls around because i i think that'll be a really fun episode 
So the CW released a new Supergirl promo for season two. The network named it the Taking Off trailer, and it showed how powerful Supergirl's takeoff is. She does so much damage that it forms the CW logo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, to be honest, I was kind of frustrated with this promo. Now, on the one hand, I kind of liked that it pays homage because there's a lot of Smallville in the way she takes off. And there's also a lot of Man of Steel. Uh, Henry Cavill's Superman is in there. Um, but I get kind of frustrated when, like, some of the TV side, and this is me being honest and transparent and, and, and blat- you know, brutally honest here, I, some of the TV side kind of poo-poos on the movies. And so when I saw that, I got kind of like, all right, come on now. You can't have it both ways. You can't poo-poo on those movies and then totally take some of their stuff. <laughs> um, and I, I was really frustrated because for like three years after Man of Steel came out, there was all this like uproar about all the destruction that happened in Man of Steel and that streets were torn up and all that kind of stuff. And then like there's this Supergirl trailer where she's tearing up streets and all this kind of stuff. So. I don't know. It, it sort of it was a cool promo. I thought it was awesome. Like Melissa looks good. She looks powerful in it. But at the same time, I was like, oh, okay. So is destruction okay now? Are we okay with this now? Can we everybody chill out? So I don't. I don't as know. long as it has a corporate logo, it's fine. <laughs> you know, if <laughs> yeah, if, Rebecca, you forget there's it's a CW promo. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I like it. I thought it was well made. I thought it was, um, you know, the effects were very good. And uh, I, I think it's cool that the CW is embracing how powerful she is and not hiding that. But at the same time, I'm like, okay, I don't know how I feel about this. I mean, if anything, like obvious promo is obvious, but I think if anything, it's it's a good indication of how the effects are going to be. I mean, obviously, we can't tell that much from like a you know 30 second trailer, but that kind of left me feeling pretty good though. Yeah, I mean, it looked it looked good. It it didn't look like the quality had tapered off at all, and um, I'm I'm pretty sure. You know, I mean, it's all green screen, obviously, but um, but it looked good. It looked good. Well, in an interview with IndieWire.com, Greg Berlanti dropped a whole lot of new information. He talked about the big four-show crossover that will be happening this season, saying, "quote We're ta- we're telling one cohesive story. Supergirl will participate." Uh, as in the show, I assume, and also the character, I would also assume. But he says uh, that Supergirl will participate, but the storyline doesn't actively begin there on Supergirl. There are some characters who show up in her episode, but the story begins with the Flash episode and goes to Arrow and Legends of Tomorrow, unquote. He also mentioned that they are just getting into designing the bad guy for it and that it won't air until the end of November. So now we have a time frame as to when this crossover is happening and kind of where they are in the process. Um, Carly, what do you think about this news? Do you do you kind of understand it a little more than, than I do in terms of like where Supergirl fits into all of this? I think this year, since it's going to be airing around Thanksgiving, I'm going to be thankful for the crossover <laughs> um, <laughs> for the Super Flash Legends of Arrow Flaro, uh, super super legends of Flaro. I think that's what it is. Super legends of Flaro. I think that's how we're going with that. But I like it. I like that they're planning on doing a multi-episode arc, and it sounds like there's going to be characters crossing over into everything. So that's exciting. I'm excited to see the other characters come to Supergirl beyond Barry Allen. Right. 
have they said anything about if uh, Supergirl is going to be moving universes or the other shows are just going to be visiting hers or how, how that's going to go at all? No, they haven't no. said how they're going to because the the whole the whole main thing in season one was that it, Supergirl was on a different Earth. Mm-hmm. So the big assumption from people is that somehow Flashpoint, the Flashpoint storyline in the Flash is going to, I don't know if it's going to give Supergirl a way of visiting the other Earths or if somehow it's going to merge the Earths so that her national city is now a part of the other Earths. Mm-hmm. Like if somehow Flashpoint is going to be the, be the you know, the cause of all that, but... We don't have any confirmation yet. Remains to be seen. Yeah, we have zero idea. And I was actually really surprised that it doesn't sound like, like I assumed that the four four show crossover that week would be like every every night you would have an episode of the crossover on each of the different shows. But it sounds like Supergirl's episode that week or however it's going to be scheduled it won't have anything to do with the rest of them really like i i'm yeah i'm very confused by all of this. well and the, and the way that because supergirl is the first show that airs in the week right. on monday and so berlanti's quote makes it sound like there's going to be characters that show up in her episode on monday but then the story is going to start with the flash the official arc is going to start on the flash and go to arrow and legends of tomorrow. Yeah. So it's possible that she could still show up on the other shows and maybe the characters showing up in her episode are going to facilitate, you know, the world's merging or something like they're going to realize. I was just going to say, I think the key word here is he says the storyline doesn't actively begin there. So I'm guessing maybe there's like, a villain or some big cosmic doohickey in the sky or something that maybe shows up in Supergirl and th- that kind of kicks off the crossover maybe. And then they'll bring it back around. Yeah. Maybe there's some sort of impetus that happens mm-hmm. in Supergirl that causes the story to begin on the flash. Um, yeah. I, I, I don't know how they're doing this. They must have a million people on it because Berlanti said that uh, the three scripts for the crossover if you had them back to back is 180 pages of material and that it's basically a mini series. <laughs> I am, <laughs> I am crossing my fingers. They can pull, pull this off. Um, they, they've done the crossovers fairly well in the past. Um, but this one is this one. They're really challenging themselves with this one. I, I just want to know why they don't have my crazy ex-girlfriend uh, or crazy ex-girlfriend <laughs> in the mix here. I mean, maybe she, she can show up at some point. I mean, why not just throw them all in there? Yeah, Jane the, Jane the Virgin. We're going to bring them all in. <laughs> I, want, I want the Latin narrator, the Latin lover narrator to, to do a voiceover. <laughs> you can put all sorts that, of cameos. And that's the only crossover, just the narrator. They just don't even the narrator. Jane the yeah. He's so good, though. I love him. Um, in the IndieWire interview, Berlanti also talked about the Supergirl Flash musical crossover that will be coming later this season. He said they've started to talk about clearing music. Berlanti went on to say, quote, I have a few ideas for tone and style in my head, but we're just starting to talk about what that can be. I do want to try and get an original piece of music written. As we make a deal on that, we'll probably make some announcements on the original songs, end quote. Yeah, he also mentions, I think, that they're talking to a couple people for composers but he didn't mention names yeah I'm and so uh, yeah people people have definitely been speculating like 
I've seen a lot of people tossing around like, How, are you talking to Lin-Manuel Miranda? And I'm yeah. like, he's not going to write music for everything, guys. <laughs> like, I get he wrote music for Star Wars and Moana. He's not going to necessarily write music for this. Too. Well, now, well, don't don't sell Greg Berlanti short because Supergirl has the connection to Laura Benanti, who has connections to Broadway. So it's not out of the realm of possibility that maybe they all... <laughs> have been chatting with each other. Just putting that out there. <laughs> but I Plus was, it sounds like they're going to do a mix, potentially, of original and maybe existing songs, yeah, which that's, could be interesting. That's actually what I was about to say, because I was, I was under the impression that all of the songs in the crossover would be original. So for them to have music that they have to clear, I was like, hmm. That sort of made me have some pause because I was like, no, don't make this an episode of Glee, please. I know we have Glee actors, but I did not like Glee. (laughs) And part of the reason I did not like Glee is because they just did covers all the time. Um, So I... I, I don't I I'll, I'll wait and see how it plays out, but I I personally would rather have original songs instead of if, them if just you covering. if you had to pick a pop song uh, for Supergirl and the Flash to sing though, what song would that oh, be? Oh, I don't know. I didn't even think about it. I I uh, what did I say? Did I say fight song for uh, Supergirl? That can, yeah, that I think can... at one point I like that song. I mean, we I have we have a whole playlist. <laughs> It's been everywhere lately because of the Hillary campaign, but I do love that song, and I feel like she could sing whoa, it. Whoa, whoa, Melissa whoa, Benoist could whoa. sing it. Hillary Clinton has been using fight song and the <laughs> motto "Stronger Together." She's been, yeah, uh, that's she's, what I'm saying. She's, she's stealing, totally <laughs> she's stealing Supergirl things, and just she's taking all it. kinds of Supergirl things. It's so funny, though. Actually, oh, yeah. that is crazy. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know, Bill. Do you have an idea of of songs that you would want to put in there? Uh, I, I'm just thinking of the three pop songs I know from the past couple of years, uh, either Royals or All About That Bass. <laughs> <laughs> like, I think I, All About That Bass would make a really good duet with Supergirl and the Black. <laughs> I'm trying to oh, imagine man. what the context of that would be. <laughs> and I don't, I don't want to know what the context is. I feel like is. Cisco would sing that. I mean, that, I could, that, could, that could possibly work. <laughs> That's an unexpected choice, Bill. I applaud it. Thank you. Uh, Thank yeah. you. I try to be unexpected yeah, whenever yeah. possible. Well, you succeeded. Um, <laughs> and uh, the last uh, little bit of information that Greg Berlanti gave us in that IndieWire interview was that uh, we have more specifics now on Callista Flockhart's presence in Season 2. They say they are trying to get Callista to return as Cat Grant for at least six episodes this year, and that she is already in the first two episodes. So we're going to get some Cat Grant right at the top of the season, and then possibly four other episodes somewhere along the line. So I don't don't know. I kind of want them to stretch it out. Maybe put two in the middle and then put two at the end. That, that might work for me. That would be good. I feel like they could also do little cameos with her where, like, Carl walks by a TV and she's doing an interview or something. Yeah. So she's kind of still there in the in the world, even though she's not, you know, you're not going into her office every day. Right, right. Yeah, we, we, we need to get as much cat grant as we can. Maybe she becomes an actress and becomes that world's Allie McBeal. Oh, then they can full circle. Mind grace. She already told Harrison Ford she doesn't date older men, so <laughs> it can't it can't it can't imitate life too quickly. 
according to HollywoodReporter.com, a new comic book miniseries is launching on December 28th. Supergirl Being Super will be a four-issue series written by Mariko Tamaki with art from Joelle Jones. Set outside of regular continuity, the series will offer an updated take on Kara Zor-El's earliest days on Earth. Yeah, there's a lot of Supergirl stuff coming out now. No, no surprise. Um, but uh, yeah, so I mean, I I like the art. I think the art looks good. So um, I'll be curious to to see how the different take is um, uh, in updating Kara's origin and how she um, deals with her her arrival to Earth. It looks like maybe she might be hanging out on a farm, uh, according to these preview preview images so uh, I'll, I'll be interested in reading this either that or she say. just likes bench pre- pressing tractors hey whatever works i mean get some exercise she starts with a lawnmower in issue one by issue four she's lifting the tractor <laughs> gotta got work it up work up to it well i think that's going to be it for our news um and so since metallo the character of metallo the super villain metallo will be making an appearance in the second season of supergirl we invited bill back to supergirl radio to help us learn more about his character and uh here's some kind of basic things to know first off before we hand it over to bill uh metallo was created by robert bernstein or bart bernstein i don't know how uh, Robert would uh, pronounce that, and Al Plastino, who is a name that Supergirl fans would know and recognize. And uh, Metallo's real name is John Corbin. His first appearance is in Action Comics number 252, which is from May 1959. And if if Action Comics number 252 sounds familiar to anybody, that's because that is the first official appearance of Supergirl in the comics. So Metallo and Supergirl have a shared history. And I actually used to own that comic, by the way. Oh, really? Like a like a yeah. first run original? Yes, yes, uh, and it was actually uh, pretty well maintained too until it got destroyed in a flood. No, <laughs> no, that sucks. Well, that's hey. like the ultimate no, <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Well, I'm sure it was well read and taken care of by Bill Meeks. Definitely, definitely. I, I read it dozens of times. Dozens. <laughs> there are dozens of us. Um, <laughs> and uh, so Metallo has a few sort of affiliations, groups that he's a part of. He's he's mostly known for the Injustice League. He has been in the United States Army. He's had some military connections. And he's been in something called the Underground Society, which I'm not very familiar with. Um, and he has a couple of superpowers, mostly related to the kryptonite uh, power source in his chest, but he is uh, often portrayed as like a mercenary or military guy, so he has some military tactics. Um, with the kryptonite power source in his chest, he is super strong, he has durability, he has invulnerability, and he is sometimes, we'll find out later, that sometimes he can feel pain, but most of the time he is impervious to pain. And he has immortality as long as the kryptonite source stays in him. Um, so, Bill, what what would you like to tell us about his backstory in the comics? Okay, well, I, I, I think we're going to talk about uh, that first Silver Age appearance, Action Comics 252, here in a little bit. So I, I, I won't touch on that. But that's actually not his first appearance, really. Oh. Uh, there was actually a Golden Age character uh, named Metallo, spelled M-E-T-A-L-O. 
uh, that appeared in World's Finest. Let me see here. I'm uh, looking at my Superman encyclopedia. World's Finest number six from summer of 1942. A little bit of a different character. Uh, it's listed as uh, the case of the metal man is the name of the story. And it features a renegade inventor with a metal suit and a super strength serum who committed uh, crimes that were blamed on Superman. Uh, things like stealing a mail car and threatening to destroy Metropolis unless local businessmen gave him like six million bucks. Wow. Uh, it- we, when they have their final battle, uh, the comic says, and I quote, the very mountains tremble and are rent asunder by the colossal battle of these two super powerful opponents. <laughs> I, I love the purple prose of old comics. Oh, yeah. Parts. Oh, yeah. Well, and that seems to be a common thread throughout Metallo's character history that he is he is parallel to Superman in some ways. So for him to, in mm-hmm. the, the kind of the golden age version of him, sort of be... Uh, paired up with Superman like that and them kind of battling it out is is very common to see throughout his history. Yeah, it's always interesting to see these characters too that we we mostly know from their Silver Age origins, but they were actually characters that the Silver Age writers ripped off of the Golden Age comics because they needed an idea that week. So they were <laughs> like, okay, let's take this name, like let's take the general idea and you know just kind of change it around a little bit. Uh, but, you know, the, the real Metallo, uh, as we said, you know, is the one that was created in 59. And it's basically this guy named John Corbin, who's a crook, and he gets turned into kind of a RoboCop uh, who uh, is powered by a kryptonite heart. Uh, he's also often uh, rec- more recently associated with uh, Sam Lane, Lois's dad. He's kind of an underling or, you know, Sam Lane's in command of him uh, a lot of times these days. Yeah, I know uh, in Superman's Secret Origin um, that uh, Jeff Johns kind of did, uh, he is associated mm-hmm. in the military with Sam Lane, and he sort of hits on Lois a little bit. And mm-hmm. um, that's that's kind of where I know him in the comics as well as his his first issue in Action Comics 252. And I, I kind of was surprised by the fact that in Action Comics number 252, he is a reporter. He works at the Daily Planet. So a lot of the things in Action Comics 252, he is paralleled to Superman and Clark Kent. He works at the Daily Planet. He um, ends up being in this car accident that he is saved by Dr. Vale, um, who does this kind of experimental operation on him. And I, I noticed when I was doing research on Metallo, Dr. Vale kept coming up in different variations. And some of the animated stuff you would hear about Dr. Vale so Dr. Vale is somebody who is closely associated with his creation, um, especially in Action Comics number 252. I think that's where he first pops up. But um, the thing about the kryptonite is that the first power source that he has in Action Comics number 252 is that he, his first power source is a uranium capsule. So he's going around trying to find all of this other uranium to power him. And so he's like committing all these crimes to steal. <laughs> Apparently a lot of people in Metropolis had uranium like stockpiled mm-hmm. up. So he had to go and commit <laughs> all these crimes and, and get it from all these sources. And so he eventually runs out of the uranium. And so Dr. Vale mm-hmm. is like, hey, you should use that kryptonite. And so that's kind of where he gets the kryptonite heart. So I, I was very surprised by all of the parallels that were there in his first appearance to Superman. Well, I mean, it's the DC universe, right? So kryptonite's way more common than uranium. Even if uranium's common, kryptonite's super common. <laughs> yeah, and uh, kryptonite just kind of comes in really handy. And 
at the end of the issue, it's funny because we talked about Action Comics two number two fifty two um, in, in this you know season one point five with John M Wilson and uh, Bob Fisher of Giant Superman podcast, and mm-hmm. we had talked about how in that issue one of the characters kind of became a thing in the comics and progressed on and, and developed more stories. And then one of the characters that was introduced in that issue dies at the end of it. <laughs> so <laughs> Metallo, they thought at the end of that issue, he would not be something that he, he would just be there for this one, one story and just be done. So it is, it is kind of funny to look back and see that they had Metallo there and then they decided they didn't want to do anything with him. So he sort of dies <laughs> at the end of the issue. Yeah, I also thought it was kind of interesting, you know, rereading the story and everything that I eventually uh, throughout the course of the story, uh, Metallo takes on the persona of Superman because he's kind of a dead ringer for him. And it's uh, in the Silver Age, there was just this huge string of Superman lookalikes like you had Vanzi on the Superman Revenge Squad. Uh, you had Bruce Wayne and John F. Kennedy. Uh, they would put on makeup to pretend to be Clark <laughs> or Superman. And uh, it just seemed like every other issue, uh, if it served the plot, somebody looked exactly like Clark Kent or Superman for some reason. <laughs> yeah, and this one in Action Comics 252, he he looks like Superman, you know, visually, just like his face and his build and all that kind of stuff. And he is impervious to bullets. Bullets bounce off of him. But he can't fly. So then you have this guy dressed up like Superman driving a car around. And that's, that's what cracks <laughs> me up, is that he's Superman driving a car to get everywhere he needs to go. So Not that, to be confused with the supercar that Superman had in the 70s. What? You're telling me new information. There is a supercar? Google it. There I, was a supercar. Oh, my God. Spider-Man had a car, too. Well, I guess everybody had to have some kind of... Well, they had to, they had to sell the toys. Well, so. sh- well sure. <laughs> Oh my gosh, I learned so much new information about Superman all the time. I just recently in uh I was reading some comics, uh some Lois Lane comics and I finally ran into Super Ventriloquism. It was a proud moment. Nice. Yeah. Nice. So, um yeah, so this this first issue with uh Metallo, actually a lot of variations and we'll we'll get into his animated and live action versions, but a lot of them do pull from this first issue with the car accident. And the uranium, you'll see that pop back up and, and the fact that he has these similarities to Superman. So it's, it's actually a pretty good issue. And if you're a Supergirl fan, you should already have this issue. Um, but bonus, there's a Metallo story in it. Um, Bill, uh, do you have any, like, favorite stories involving Metallo from, from anything, from comics, from... Uh, any of his uh, uh, appearances in different media? Do you have any favorite uh, Metallo stories you would want to recommend to people? Well, I wrote this fanfic when I was 12. No, I'm kidding. I would, uh, <laughs> I would read it. Hashtag would read. Metallo ver- versus uh, Lucy, Lucy Ricardo. I, it, it was kind of experimental, uh, you know, <laughs> mishmash of universe. No, you I'm know, kidding. You know but, uh, Lucy could take him. That that story, that story does not end without Lucy Ricardo <laughs> beating Metallo somehow. Well, see, the thing is, Lucy Ricardo is not vulnerable to kryptonite, but she's really vulnerable to uranium like most people. So <laughs> <laughs> it could go either way. Yeah, true. Uh, no, but Metallo's kind of interesting. He, he tends to show up like once a year or so, uh, so Superman can have this big battle. And uh, the most interesting things about his stories generally, in my opinion... 
or the way Superman gets around the kryptonite, uh, you know, gets around the kryptonite to defeat Metallo. Uh, you know, that being said, one of uh, my favorite and one of the most memorable to me uh, Metallo appearances was in Alan Moore's classic uh, Last Superman story, Whatever Happened to the Man of Tomorrow. Uh, now, w- what happens in the story is an army of Metallos attacks the Daily Planet. They basically, they're standing down on the street and they all shoot these, you know, like grappling hooks out of their chest and climb up the Daily Planet and invade the newsroom. Uh, and, you know, it's one of several villains who start taking things way further than they ever have before, trying to push Superman to his breaking point. Uh, now, uh, this version of Metallo was actually Roger Corbin, Corbin not John Corbin, who was the, he was the brother of John, and he became a Metallo himself. And apparently uh, turned it into a franchise because there was a whole army of them uh, to get revenge on Superman for his role in John Corbin's death in this original story. So, but uh, it's a great story all the way around. And uh, as far as like imagery with Metallo, it's always one of my favorite Metallo images. Is just all of the Metallos, and he has this kind of funky uh, green and orange costume. Uh, but you know, just them all like scaling the planet, invading the newsroom. I, I love it. Oh, that's cool. I actually, confession, I have not read that story. So now I'm going to have to You haven't? Up. I haven't. Gasp, shock, <sighs> horror. Um, but I, I love the Daily Planet. So to know that there is like some Metallo invasion of Metallo armies um, into the Daily Planet sounds really exciting. So I'm definitely going to have to check that out. And that's a, if you haven't read that before, it's a really great story to it. I mean, Supergirl plays a huge role in it. Um, basically, anyone who was in Superman's cast of characters back in the Silver Age plays a, plays a pretty big role. It's basically Alan Moore's version of what a last Superman story would be. Uh, like, if, if you had to end the Superman story, how would you end it? And he does it in two issues, right before the Crisis reboot. So Wow, that's cool. All right. We'll definitely have to check that out. And what is it about Metallo? You, you mentioned that like you love his look. Are there any other things about Metallo that you think make him uh, a really good villain for Superman and Supergirl? Well, I think he he's definitely, for any Kryptonian, he's a great physical foil. Uh, since he's powered by the one thing that can harm them, so, so he's one of the few villains that can just instantly step into the fray and be a formidable threat uh, to any Kryptonian. I, I also kind of love the, uh, the pathos of the Silver Age version. Uh, but I, I feel like in modern day, uh, he's become a bit more of a dumb grunt. Uh, you know, he, they just throw him in for three pages to, you know, get Superman all kerfuffled before they bring in the real threat. Uh, he, he's just kind of muscle more than anything else now. Uh, but uh, Metallo stories always make for the best covers. Uh, one of my favorites is from uh, Superman Volume 2, Number 1. It was his first uh, post-crisis appearance, and it was when he was became more of outwardly a robot. You know, he looked like a robot from the outside instead of looking like a man, but being having a robot skeleton or whatever. And it has Metallo kind of standing Superman over Superman amidst the rubble of their battle. And, and they always do things with Metallo on covers that I love where it, it's just basically, it's generally Metallo towering over Superman, the kryptonite glowing from his chest. Sometimes Superman has green skin from the kryptonite poisoning. And I, I, I just think it, it's usually a very effective way to do a cover. I, it, I, I'm not saying that 
I love Metallo because of the covers of his stories and not the stories themselves, but that's a big part of it. I, some of my favorite color covers are Metallo covers. Yeah, Metallo basically just like throws the weakness into the, the Kryptonian faces, you know, like he's like, hey, I, I got your weakness mm-hmm. right here. So, um, yeah, he's 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 pretty in your face. And you mentioned that Metallo sometimes is shown as, as a human and sometimes shown as kind of a robotic cybernetic being and i personally when i was going through all of his kind of various looks and incarnations i think he Mm -hmm. is much more effective when you get to see him as the robot because a lot of times when you see him in that way he is shown almost like his his head in a lot of variations will be almost like a skull like kind of a Mm -hmm. like a like a human skull and that is terrifying to me like that makes him really scary because he looks he doesn't look like one of us. And so I think mm-hmm. that that's a little terrifying to me. So I think I think when they when he is portrayed in a way where he looks human, that kind of does him a disservice because I think that makes him less scary. Although I, I do really enjoy in the in the Action Comics 252 story, the scene where he's discovering that he he's not mostly human anymore uh, just because I, I don't know if either of you saw the the Robocop reboot they did a year or two ago uh, with Michael Keaton and Gary Oldman No, I, but I missed the, the, it. there's a scene when Robocop first wakes up after his accident and they've rebuilt him and everything and he's like what's this weird metal suit you have me in and they just start taking away pieces of it piece by piece until all that's left is like a lung and his head and uh, it just it, it kind of reminded me of that, just how disturbed he gets as he realizes, oh, wait, I'm mostly not man anymore. Yeah. And, and you'll see that with different very uh, variations on Metallo, where he'll he'll kind of wake up. Usually like he'll wake up in some sort of hospital room or some sort of lab after his accidents. And he will not know that he's been operated on and he will wake up and and discover he is some sort of robot. And then it scares him at first, because obviously what if you if you woke up and you didn't know where you were and then you're like, oh, my gosh, I'm made of metal now. And (laughs) that would freak that would freak me out. And then after kind of figuring out, oh, I can do these superpower things, he gets a little crazy. So Mm -hmm. um, that that would be something that is kind of a through line throughout his character. (laughs) All right. Well, Carly, do you want to start taking us through the animated television versions of Metallo? Yes, I do. Uh, In animated television, John Corbin and Metallo appear on Superman the Animated Series, Justice League, and Justice League Unlimited, voiced by Malcolm McDowell and Corey Burton. In this version, John Corbin shows up early on in Superman the Animated Series, debuting in the three-part premiere of the show. In his first appearance, John Corbin is a mercenary in this version who steals a robotic suit called the Lexoskel Suit 5000 from LexCorp. And even though he is not a cyborg in his first episode, John does fight Superman in the Lexoskel Suit 5000. And um, John Corbin doesn't officially become Metallo until the, until the episode titled The Way of All Flesh. Um, Bill, what do you think about the Superman, the animated series version of Metallo? I, I, I love him. And, you know, we were talking about the contrast between the robotic look and the human look. I think they, they really kind, kind of hit a happy medium where it's just like half of his face is torn off and the other half is all 
robotic. I mean, it's obviously kind of inspired by Terminator, right? By Terminator 2, which was out just a couple of years prior to Superman the Animated Series. But, I, I, I mean, I always in, enjoyed it. Uh, I, I, I didn't actually know that Malcolm McDowell voiced him originally, though. Yeah. I, I, that was kind of surprising to me. I, I have a funny story about him in, in Elevator uh, sometime. I'll tell you off the air. <laughs> uh, but, but, yeah, I, I, I enjoyed him on Superman the Animated Series for sure. I think this, for me personally, is my favorite version of Metallo. Just like I was talking about how I like it I like it more when he's scary looking. And I think he is the scariest on Superman the Animated Series because they really lean into the, we're going to show you that he's a cyborg, that he's a robot. And there's this really great scene in The Way of All Flesh when he is looking into a mirror and he just starts ripping skin off of his body to reveal the metal part of who he is now. And it, that is, it's gross and it's terrifying yeah. and it's awesome. So <laughs> as, as a villain, I, you know, I want to be scared of villains. I want to, I want to be worried about Superman or Supergirl going up against this crazy man. So I really like seeing that from him. And, um, this, uh, this version, it was particularly interesting to me when I was going through uh, this was a standout because in this version, he talks a lot about how he can't taste things anymore after his operation, that he can't feel anything. Mm-hmm. He kisses Lois and he, he says like that doesn't m- mean anything to him anymore. And so there, I, I guess it's trying to point out that like he's lost part of his humanity. Um, so this kind of is a, a variation on different takes. Like some of them will feel pain or... Uh, some won't, but in this version, he he can't t- he can't taste anything, he can't feel anything. So um, I think that plays into how he is a he's now a robot. Metallo appeared on the Batman in a season five episode titled "The Batman Superman Story Part One," voiced by actor Lex Lang, which I feel like is a great name for a Superman <laughs> voice actor. Yeah, it's kind of a, a combination of Lex Luthor and Lana Lang. That's all uh, I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the double L's. Yeah, yeah. Um, Bill, have you seen this version from The Batman? I have not. I've only seen one episode of The Batman, and that was uh, The Batman versus Dracula. Oh. And <laughs> yeah, I, I kind of stopped. That. <laughs> I actually kind of like The Batman. I've been watching a little bit of it, and uh, so I, I've been I've taken to it a little bit. I haven't seen the episode uh, uh, versus Dracula yet, so that is very, I'm I'm anticipating that now. <laughs> that sounds like a lot of fun. <laughs> um, but yeah, in this version, he just kind of. He, he kind of makes a cameo. It's not like a huge, huge, big scene, but it's it's kind of funny because, um, and Bill, I think you sort of mentioned this earlier, that the way that Metallo is stopped a lot of the time is s- somehow something will get the kryptonite out of his chest and kind of power him down. And in this version on the Batman, Robin actually uses this battering gadget to kind of throw it at his um, at his heart and removes the kryptonite from Metallo's uh, robotic body. And he, then he gets smushed in, like Superman throws him in this trash compactor. And I was like, that is really <laughs> hardcore Superman. But they make it a point to say that his internal battery will keep him alive. So even though he goes in this trash <laughs> compactor, he's still somehow alive. Um, so basically the writers had a really cool idea to end the fight, but they were like, wait a second, this is Saturday morning cartoons. Yes. We can't kill him, kill him. So yeah, we'll give a little lip service. Yeah. To it. Yeah. This seems like a, a standards and practices uh, <laughs> note that was, that was given to the writers of the show. 
but yeah, I mean, he has a cool look. Um, it's 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 probably worth maybe noting that the this version of him has the kryptonite on like the I don't know the right side of his chest, but like if it's his chest, it's the left side. Um, but usually, like you'll see it, the the kryptonite heart is like in the middle of his chest. But this this one stood out to me because it was kind of one sided. So I thought that was interesting. Well, and Metallo also makes a cameo on Batman the Brave and the Bold. While Superman is fighting Metallo in the episode Battle of the Superheroes, Batman helps Superman out by snagging the kryptonite heart out of Metallo's chest with one of his bat gadgets. So another member of the Bat family comes to Superman's <laughs> aid to, to help him out with Metallo. And that yeah. you'll, you'll see that a lot if you go through Metallo's stories. Yeah, I was going to say that's one of the interesting things about Metallo is that it, it takes someone, it, it, oftentimes it takes someone way less powerful than Superman to actually bring him down. Like it's either like a Bat character or it's Lois runs up and snatches the kryptonite away or something happens because, you know, Superman's kind of uh, out of action if he gets too close. Yeah, that's why I'm curious about how they're going to handle it on Supergirl because we've kind of heard that there will probably be a Superman and Supergirl versus Metallo fight. <laughs> and and hmm. that's like... How are they going to handle that? Because there's two of the Kryptonians there. And uh, I, I'm curious as to how they'll get out of that. Um, I don't know if Alex will come to the rescue. I don't know. But or Alex or James, maybe. Um, but that, <laughs> that is one of those problems that they have is that they, got, they have to go up against that Kryptonite heart. That's how Cat will come back for her fourth or fifth episode. Oh, my gosh. Cat <laughs> to the rescue. That would be amazing. I think the episode, or not the episode, the character description says that he becomes Metallo after getting injured while fighting Supergirl and Superman. Oh, so, so we may I, not even have to worry about that. Well, my guess is that they're probably going to take him on when he's John Corbin, and then later probably have to take him on again when he becomes Metallo. Because mm, I'm sense. sure he'll come back looking for, you know, a rematch. And he'll be like, you made me into this. <laughs> uh, in animated film, Metallo has appeared in Superman slash Batman public enemies and was voiced by John C. McKinley. This version works for Lex Luthor's presidential administration, has gadgets and is able to feel pain. For example, his robotic arm is knocked off and it hurts him. In addition to him having the kryptonite power source, this version of Metallo also fires a kryptonite bullet at Superman during a fantastic fight sequence with both Batman and Superman. So, Bill, have you seen this movie, Superman, Batman, Public Enemies? I, I definitely have, and I, I, I thought it was a fairly well-done movie. I, I'm not a huge fan of making characters on either the hero or the villain side like super involved with the military especially more the hero side but the villain side a little too it, that that always kind of makes it, it kind of takes me out of the story because i'm like well you know super villains should be selfish and superheroes should be altruistic and like counter to the establishment they shouldn't be part of it right uh but you know at the same time like it was a very well done movie good fight scenes uh and the, you can't beat a kryptonite bullet yeah. Yeah. And it causes all sorts of problems. Batman has to come to Superman's rescue and get it out, uh, dig out that bullet while they're trapped underneath <laughs> the ground. They get they get uh, mm -hmm. stuck in a, uh, a grave 
uh, an actual grave pit. So uh, yeah, it's a it's a really uh, awesome fight. And this is this this version I thought was very unique because I I hadn't previously seen a, a version of Metallo where like he has like almost almost kind of like Cyborg the character Cyborg where like Cyborg has like different things that can pop out of his arms. Mm-hmm. But this version of Metallo had like you know big. Um, I don't know. Is it like a chainsaw or something like a, a mallet and a yeah. chainsaw? Like that. That that seems to be different than other incarnations of Metallo. Like any good action figure, he has thirty different attachments. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Got to have those attachments so you can. Uh, <laughs> you, so you have to buy them to get all the the different ones, uh, not sold separately, um, <laughs> or or they are sold separately. Um, yeah. yeah, so I, I, I like that movie. I can understand what you're talking about with the uh, anti-establishment uh, type stuff, but it, it is a good movie. And I think it's based off of a Jeff Loeb comic? Yeah, uh, uh, I, it was, yeah, it, well, it was part of the Superman Batman series that Jeff Loeb did. I think it uh, compromised maybe issues four through eight. Don't quote me on that, but I think something like that. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I remember that reading that a long time ago, but I've mostly just kind of consumed the movie since then, but it's a good movie. I recommend it. And Metallo makes an appearance in the animated version of All-Star Superman, but the final film version that we're going to talk about and maybe a more notable one to DC fans is from Justice League Doom from 2012 because he is voiced by Arrow's Paul Blackthorne. So if you watch Arrow, uh, Metallo is played by Captain Lance. I don't know if he has been promoted since then. I don't know if he's something other than Captain Lance, but uh, Quentin Lance is the voice of Metallo there. So um, in All-Star Superman, he's kind of just kind of in the background. He kind of makes like a little cameo, cameo, but uh, Justice League Doom, he's he's a little he's a little more threatening in that one. Have you seen that one, Bill? I have. I uh, Metallo didn't stick out to me just because there were so many villains in that movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, they, you know, so uh, some of them had to. Uh, well, basically, I was paying attention to Solomon Grundy the whole time. <laughs> yeah, this this Metallo is very scary. Um, has sort of the skeleton skull-looking face and very prominently has the kryptonite heart and very, very much a robot in that. So um, I, I happen to like the look on that one. Um, and it's a, it's a pretty good movie, too. Metallo has also appeared in live-action television. On Superboy, he was played by actor Michael Callan. Bill, have you watched this version? Of course I have. <laughs> of course. Like I, I went through, because uh, you linked to a couple clips here, I, I went through and watched those. But yeah, I've seen this episode three or four times. I, 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 I love the cheesiness of the old Superboy TV show and the, the scenery chewing and the horrible acting. <laughs> uh, horrible slash grade. But yeah, I, I've seen this. And uh, yeah, he's way over the top, just like every other villain on that show. Lex Luthor, uh, don't even get me started on <laughs> Lex Luthor on that show. But yeah, yeah, you have to look at it. It's a very low-budget, 80s, syndicated TV show. So don't go into it expecting Shakespeare or something, and you'll be fine. Yeah, he definitely has a different look. He's not as robotic. Like, he has some sort of metal stuff on his arm, and he has the kryptonite yeah. chest power source but he's not as like full-blown robot as i would prefer him prefer him to be but um he he does he does rough up superboy a little bit he has like bone cords coming down his arms (laughs) (laughs) it's more of like a thrift store exoskeleton (laughs) right this is like somebody's metallo like 
basic Metello cosplay. Like if they were only going to go halfway with it, <laughs> <laughs> like like it was a last minute Halloween costume. Or right, right, exactly. Like I only have two weeks before Comic Con. <laughs> I will say he does remind me a bit of the uh, Golden Age Metello that I was talking about earlier, where it was basically you know a, a suit, and then he had like some super strength stuff going on too. But may- maybe they drew some inspiration from that because I know a lot of. 80s comic book writers uh, wrote on the Superboy TV show, so I wouldn't be surprised if the, that was might not have been a little nod, uh, or they yeah. they just didn't. They had twelve dollars to put together the costume, <laughs> one or the other. Well, I, I guess we should um, give them the benefit of the doubt, and maybe maybe they were drawing source uh, from the source material there. So that that's a good point. Well, and in the next live-action version of Metallo was in the second season of Lois and Clark, The New Adventures of Superman, played by actor Scott Valentine. And in this version, he is Johnny Corbin, and he he appears in an episode titled Metallo. Very appropriate. And uh, this version of Metallo uh, is dating Lucy Lane. And like his first appearance in the comics, he is, Metallo is powered by uranium. So I think they definitely, on Lois and Clark, they were pulling from, I guess, this, the Silver Age version um, that we learned about in Action Comics 252. So I, uh, I th- this version is, is kind of interesting and fun. Um, Bill, what do you think about the Lois and Clark version? Uh, best hair out of all the Metallos, bar none. <laughs> Best hair and best uh, shoulder pads in his suit jacket. For sure. <laughs> this version is is a lot of a lot like some of the other versions of Metallo, where he uh, he's he's damaged to a point physically where he almost dies. And this version, instead of being in a car accident, he's actually. Um, he has gunshot wounds so he is shot and he almost dies and so then this version actually goes to he's experimented on by these two brothers Uh, one is a scientist and I think one is like some sort of financial guy so this is different from like Dr. Vale that um, is responsible or sometimes Lex Luthor is responsible for creating Metallo Um, so in this in this case it's two brothers who create the Metallo character and one of my favorite things about this uh, this incarnation is that Lois Lane does not like him and uh, Terry Hatcher's <laughs> Lois Lane is like one of my favorite Lois Lanes and so she uh, she is very protective of her sister Lucy and she does not like that Lucy is dating this Johnny Corbin guy because he's a no good street guy who just you know he, he's he's a criminal basically and um, she calls him a monosyllabic illiterate goon and that makes me so happy because Lois Lane's dig on him is about words. And that makes me happy. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, so this is, a, this is a pretty good version of Metallo. Um, his end, I thought, was um, shocking a little bit because Superman melts his legs. <laughs> and I was like, dang, Superman, <laughs> you're going hardcore with that. And, and he it's ends pretty up pretty metal. Of, yeah, it's, it's so metal. Um, and he, he ends up kind of powering down at the end. So Metallo doesn't last outside of this episode, but it's a, it's a pretty good episode. Yeah. Uh, this, I, I mean, I love Lois and Clark. Uh, Terry Hatcher is my Lois Lane. Uh, but I, I always felt like they got the villains a little wrong. Like they, they always had, you know, the name, right. Uh, sometimes the origin, right. But they never really got the spirit of the character. Right. And I, I, I think this is another case. While, very enjoyable not 
quite comic accurate as far as it just like the general feel of the character, you know? Yeah, he did have the uranium uranium capsules. He did have the super strength and the superpowers, and he does um, rob some some stuff. I think he robs like an ATM or something. Like he commits some crimes, like some of the the comic versions of Metallo. But but yeah, it, he uh, again for me, he looks like he looks just like a human. A lot of times he will have like a jacket that he zips up, so you can't really tell he's a robot in some of the scenes. And so I think that takes away from him being a threatening villain that he he doesn't look like he's something else. So yeah, I, I would agree with that. They, they could have worked on their villains a little more. On Smallville, Brian Austin Green played Metallo in three episodes of season nine. In this version, John Corbin is a reporter who replaces Clark Kent at the Daily Planet and holds a grudge against the red-blue blur, who he blames for his sister's death. After John is hit by a truck and left for dead, he is experimented on by Zod's army and his body is rebuilt with cybernetics and a piece of green kryptonite though Lois Lane gives him red kryptonite to try. In the final season of Smallville, Corbin is a member of Toy Man's team of villains known as the Marionette Ventures with Supergirl <laughs> assigned as his target. <laughs> uh, Bill, have you seen this incarnation of Metallo? No, I, I stopped watching Smallville in season three and I stopped watching uh, Brian Austin Green after 90210. So. <laughs> <laughs> I totally understand. I actually, um, I actually missed this uh, arc of Smallville because I had stopped watching Smallville at the end of season eight. So I completely missed the Smallville version of Metallo. But I, I've watched a few clips here and there, and um, the this this version does a little bit better job of he's still he's still got like the human face, but he. I thought they did an interesting take on his chest area because he he looks like he's been pieced together. Like he looks mm -hmm. like a horror movie a little bit. And I think that that does a little bit better job than some of those, you know, the Superboy and the Lois and Clark version where he mm -hmm. doesn't quite look very scary. But in yeah, this It's a little steampunky too cuz there's like pipes going from the kryptonite into his chest. Yeah, yeah, it does kind of look steampunkish. Um, and I, I kind of laugh about it because I'm like, of course they would have him shirtless in most of these <laughs> scenes um, to capitalize on the Brian Austin Green of all of this. Um, so in a lot of his scenes, he is, <laughs> he is shirtless. Um, so, uh, but, but it is kind of a, a, a unique take on what that would look in live action, that he would, he would be pieced together and look kind of like, you know, it's gross. Like it has, you know, some of his skin kind of um, stitched together and, and it's kind of poking out. So it's it's pretty gross. But I I think that's kind of more of what I would want to see with Metallo is, is seeing that something is different about him. Something is not quite human. Plus, they also reference the fact that he was also a reporter at the Daily Planet. Right. Like, like he was in the comics. Yeah. Trying yeah. to get a job there. Yeah, so they did pull from his uh, Action Comics number 252 version where he um, joins the Daily Planet and um, has some connections with Clark Kent and Lois there. So, yeah, and they, they did a fairly good job with him. And I, I, I like that he has that Supergirl connection that he, he's supposed to, he's assigned to go after her. Um, Toy Man, I guess, was like, I'm, I'm tired of dealing with Supergirl. You can take care of her. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, so that's a, it's, a, it's a fairly good version. 
And Metallo has also been featured in video games. Uh, he's been featured in Superman Shadow of Apocalypse, Superman The New Adventures, a.k.a. Superman 64, to those of, uh, those in the know. Uh, Superman mm-hmm. The Man of Steel, Superman Returns video game, uh, DC Universe Online, Injustice Gods Among Us, and Lego Batman 3 Beyond Gotham. So he's pretty popular in video games, and that's probably because he uh, gives Superman a, a good person to punch. So uh, he, <laughs> he is uh, prevalent in video games. And that finally brings us to Supergirl. Uh, actor Frederick Schmidt has been cast to play Metallo in season two. EW.com describes him as international assassin John Corbin, who was reborn by a shadow organization into the kryptonite-powered supervillain Metallo when he is badly injured after taking on both Superman and Supergirl. So, what do we all think Metallo is going to bring to Supergirl this season? Kryptonite. <laughs> <laughs> More kryptonite. Uh, Bill, what what do you think about that description of him as as an international assassin? That, that's definitely an interesting take. I I, I mean, I, I I think I have to see how how they do it. Uh, I, obviously, I I don't. I'm still not quite caught up on Supergirl se- season one. I'm almost there, but I, there hasn't been a shadow organization introduced yet, or anything has there. I think that might be coming in season two. Okay, so so this will be a new development for season two. I don't know. I I, I think it, it'll be worth a watch. If nothing else, uh, you know, if he's taking on both Supergirl and Superman, it's going to give them a good chance to uh, get some teamwork action going on, lear- learn each other's strengths and weaknesses, and learn how to work together. So I, I, I think he'll be a good villain for them to face off against, for sure. Oh, totally. And the international assassin part of his description makes me think of his mercenary past in a lot of versions where he is mm-hmm. he's brought in to be an assassin or a hitman. So then that lines up. I mean, John Corbin has been a Daily Planet reporter. He's been a hitman. He's been kind of a, a, a guy with a criminal past who's who's robbed uh, stores and banks and things like that. So he has a lot of variations on his character. He's been a military guy. So um, you could pretty much do anything with John Corbin. Um, Carly, what do you think about the Supergirl version of Metallo as, as far as we know of him uh, just yet? I, well, like I said on, I believe, last week's episode when we talked about Metallo, I'm excited for a anything that gets Superman and Supergirl fighting together. So I am excited because it also sounds like this is going to be a pretty formidable opponent for them to face off against. Even though it's the two of them together, they're probably going to have a difficult time. So it'll be interesting to see if somebody has to come in on from the outside and, and intervene somehow. Cause it sounds like they, it sounds like what usually ends up getting Metallo to stop is somebody other than a Kryptonian. Yeah, and so. I, kind of, I kind of like that because Superman and Supergirl are so powerful and both of them should be able to take out anybody. And uh, I kind of like the idea of maybe a human has to come in and help the two of them out. I, I like the idea of that. And my hope for Metallo, for Supergirl, is because I don't think, in my personal opinion, and I'm very stuck on the way he looks, like... Metallo needs to scare me. Like, I really, I think Metallo at his best needs to be 
threatening. He needs to be scary. He needs somebody who you're like, ah, I don't know that I can look at you. Like he, to me, I think he's at his best when he is terrifying looking. And I kind of, I, I don't want to get my hopes up, but I think if Supergirl wanted to do something different than some of the other live action versions, I would want to see them play more on the, and of course this plays into budget and you know what they're able to do. And that's probably why a lot of the previous incarnations showed more of the human side because then they didn't have to do special effects or um, CGI or something like that. But I would, I, my, my dream is to see a live action version of Metallo who looks sort of like the Terminator, who does have more of this cyborg uh, visual look to him. So I don't know if they're going to do anything like that, but that, that would be what I would hope to see. Yeah, I think the, the thing that would make him the most intimidating is the fact that you want the character to kind of put doubt in the audience's mind of whether it's going to be possible for Supergirl and Superman to actually to actually win. Do you know what I mean? Like, oh, for sure. That's almost the scariest thing is you're like, are they going to come out on top? You don't know. Yeah. Yeah. What if he kills them and this becomes uh, the Metallo show? <laughs> I, I would still podcast about it. <laughs> if it, if it's Metallo Supergirl radio. radio. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I would still be about it. That would be good. Um, but I don't know. I don't know how it will go down, but I, I definitely think it's it's going to be a, a fun time to watch Superman and Supergirl have to go up and, and team up against him. So hopefully we'll get a new version of him that will be just as fun to watch as some of the other ones. Well, I guess that's going to do it for our character bat signal spotlight on Metallo. <laughs> so, Bill, thanks for uh, coming on to help us learn more about Metallo and the, the various incarnations of his character throughout his history. Um, how can our listeners find you on the internet? Uh, just wander down any dark alley. I'm probably standing there. No, um, <laughs> I, well, obviously, that, that's you can, dark, uh, Bill. That's dark. <laughs> I don't want to go down Crime Alley and find you down there. <laughs> I'll just be going. Ah! <laughs> I know, but uh, obviously, I, I am a member of the DC TV podcast family. Uh, we do a show called Legends of Gotham at legendsofgotham.com or on iTunes. We're going to be starting back up with Gotham here. The, uh, well, by the time this episode comes out, last night uh, we recorded our first episode. Uh, so you can check that out. And also, uh, we do a show called, or we're restarting a show called Universe Box, uh, which is basically a, we're re- relaunching it as a news show. It's going to be. Uh, TV, movies, books, music, news, uh, short form, half hour show. And I I think the best place to check that out will be youtube.universebox.com. And Bill and Anne-Marie also do a podcast about Lost, which is one of my favorite TV shows of all time called We're So Lost. So I want to plug that for them. Uh, because oh, thank it, you. it's a great podcast. And if you want to get into it, uh, get into watching Lost, that's a great way to do it. Or if you want to rewatch it like I've been doing, it's a great way to do it, too. So um, definitely yep. go and check out everything that Bill and Anne-Marie do. Because they, personally, y'all are some of my favorite podcasters on the internet. Well, this is awkward because I we absolutely hate you, Rebecca. Well, <laughs> you are welcome to your opinion. Um, oh, it may no, not be right. You. you know that. But you're welcome to it. Well, yeah, I and I definitely it. check out uh, the our Batman v Superman special that Rebecca was on and was great on. Well, I yeah. was glad that somebody wanted me to talk about it. <laughs> so um, that's good stuff. Everybody, go subscribe and uh, listen and watch all of their stuff. 
Well, if you would like to contact us at Supergirl Radio, you can email us at supergirlradio at gmail.com. You can post a comment on our website at supergirlradio.com. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram, all at Supergirl Radio. You can listen to us on Google Play and iHeartRadio. And we have become a literal Supergirl Radio on Spotify, so definitely go there and check out our playlist. And we are also available on iTunes and Stitcher. So if you've got some time, we encourage you to give us a rating and write us a review. And we are part of the DC TV Podcast Network. So if you also like Gotham, Arrow, The Flash, Legends of Tomorrow, iZombie, and the DC movies, subscribe to our DC TV Podcast mega feed and follow at DC TV Podcasts on Twitter and like DC TV Podcasts on Facebook. And you can follow me on Twitter at DerbyKid, that's D-E-R-B-Y-K-I-D, and watch videos I've shot and edited on my YouTube channel at youtube.com slash duckmilkprod, that's D-U-C-K-M-I-L-K-P-R-O-D, and I have like a million projects that I need to finish editing. So at some point, um, you'll see some new videos pop up there, but um, if you want to see some of my uh, stuff that's already up there, go to youtube.com slash duckmilkprod. You can find me on Twitter at my name, Carly Lane. I'm weekend editor over at The Mary Sue, which you can visit at themarysue.com. Mostly I'm just on Twitter, ranting, threading my tweet storms, live tweeting Star Trek. (laughs) I've actually been trying to thread my tweets, too. I'm taking your advice to heart, Carly. Thread Um, your tweets. Thread those Thread your tweet rants. (laughs) (laughs) Keeps everything nice and organized. Yep. So I'm I'm trying to follow your lead in that. So um, (laughs) I appreciate you setting the the Twitter standard uh, to to follow. Twitter standards and practices. (laughs) (laughs) Somebody should write a how-to, like like an SOP, a a standard operating procedure on how to do, how to, how to, how to tweet. How to to tweet. How to to do Twitter. (laughs) First rule, remember that everybody on the other end is a real person. <laughs> that's a good that's a good rule of thumb to remember. That should be the only People rule seem to forget that. Yeah, that's one easily forgotten. See, my my rule number 1 is just to start with nonsense. Like put as much nonsense out there as possible and hope hope it lands. One of my, <laughs> one of my all-time favorite Bill Meeks tweet was just nope. That's all you tweeted. <laughs> <laughs> this week and i was like i'm gonna retweet that i don't know what that's about but i like what you're i like what you're putting out there <laughs> you know what that was about no i don't even tell me i don't want to know okay, i like okay, the, i like okay. the i like the mystery that you we'll just keep tweeted the mystery around it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I like that you just tweeted nope <laughs> <laughs> that's good stuff i because i think if you told me it would ruin the mystery and i'm i'm i want, I want to keep that uh keep that going I will never tell unless I, I, I need to get revenge on you for something. Ah. And then I'll tell you right away. <laughs> Ruining it. Um, but yeah, that, that's, that's good times. Well, until next time, I'm still Rebecca Johnson. And I'm still Carly Lane. And we hope you enjoyed learning more about John Corbin. And the metal behind the man. Mm-hmm.